it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Well, hello, and welcome again to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm your co-host, PBSB, and when I'm not podcasting, I serve as the Partnership Acceleration Lead at Flywheel Digital, the leading managed services company that helps brands accelerate e-commerce growth. I'm joined for today's episode by the newest, the shiny new penny in the CPG Guys Bank. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of Confluencer Commerce. Of course, I'm speaking about my dear friend, Brian Gildenberg. Hey, Brian, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing great. And for our for our listeners under 30, a penny is a shiny coin made of copper with Abraham Lincoln on the front of it that used to be known as what was called currency back in the day. <laughs> Always dropping knowledge on our audience, aren't you, Brian? You are a font of knowledge. Actually made of nickel, not of copper, uh, oddly enough. Anyway, um, I'm doing great, uh, filled with uh, filled with numismatic trivia for the audience, and uh, ready to roll. <laughs> you make me chuckle every time. Thanks, Brian. Always glad to have you on this journey together, and you add a, a measure of both education and entertainment to, to our mission statement. So having you as part of the CPG guys family, well, it was it was an easy decision. So thanks for joining us. I thought I was supposed to be bad cop today. <laughs> no, you're the good. You're always the good cop. Darn it. <laughs> Sorry. Before we get to our guest, I want to remind our audience, uh, visit cpgguys.com. It's our, our brand site. You can find links to our podcast on all the major and minor platforms. And if you're not already doing so, make sure to go to LinkedIn in the search box, enter in CPG Guys, and click the follow button. That way you can join another 22,000 plus people. Uh, who get to experience the new content we're publishing on our site each and every day. New notice of new episodes, video series from people like Brian Gildenberg, who does the Gildenberg Omnicom. And I know it sounds like a Robert Ludlum novel, but in any event, uh, please join us and follow us on LinkedIn. And of course, we also want you to describe to uh, some of our other podcasts. We've got the FMCG Guys, which is our European version, hosted by Daniel and Efrain. We've got CPG Scoop, which gives uh, snackable conversations hosted by Risa and Jennifer. And apparently we have a new podcast that's launching. It's called CPG Guys Fast Forward. And the host is Brian. Who's the host of that podcast? I don't know. Some, 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 some client who dragged off the streets. So, uh, so uh, yeah, no, uh, we'll be debuting up, uh, certainly before this episode is up. Um, we'll be uh, taking a look at some slightly different questions we tackle on the core CBG Guys podcast. And my first guest, I will be joined by the esteemed SVP of uh, Industry Partnerships at West Rock, Leon Nicholas. And we're going to talk a lot about packaging. Uh, the future of in-store packaging and display and case packs and robotics and a whole bunch of uh, cool topics that came out of that conversation. I am really excited about the uh, the launch of this podcast. Leon's an old friend of mine and colleague from my IRI days. Uh, for our audience, just go to uh, whatever podcast platform you, you choose and just enter in CPG Guys, and you'll find both of our podcasts there and make sure you just subscribe to both of them. So thank you for that. Um, uh, I would also uh, make mention of the fact that Brian, Shree, and I are very proud to be sponsors of Next Up, formerly known as Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance all women in business and to promote gender equality in the workplace. The uh, the digital liner notes of this episode contain hyperlinks to our site, the other the collective podcast sites, uh, our LinkedIn page, and of course, we have a landing page on Next Up. 
Go there so that you can learn more about the organization, the resources they have for networking, the educational resources. It is, uh, it is our core mission here to help uh, dismantle gender bias in the workplace, uh, and it's a very worthwhile organization. We encourage you to learn more about Next Up. So, Brian, why don't we get to what we're here to talk about today? Sound like a good plan? Sure, why not? It's a, it's a change of pace for us, but we might as well do what we're supposed to, sure. Yeah, I mean, like closing, closing the episode at this point is kind of pointless, right? We've just gone through the boilerplate. Hey, th- hey, thanks for coming, Aaron. It was great to see you. Yeah, it was great. Um, all right. So uh, so as you can tell, Shri, uh, with Shri not here, Brian and I are very excited about this because it allows us to explore a segment of the retail sector that we really have not addressed uh, in the prior 280 plus episodes. And of course, I'm talking about department stores. We've we met several months ago when when um, when we were at NRF with with our guest today, he was speaking on a panel at the big show in New York City. The topic of his panel was, of course, the favorite topic of this very podcast, which is retail media. Nordstrom is an American luxury department store chain headquartered in Seattle, Washington, and founded by John W. Nordstrom and Carl Wallen back in 1901. It is renowned for superior customer service and high-quality merchandise. Two years ago, Nordstrom launched its foray into retail media with an offering of um, exclusively off-site advertising options driven by the uh, the purchasing behavior of Nordstrom shoppers to target communications, um, followed this year by the launch of on-site, on-site retail media solutions. Here to speak with about the digital marketing journey that is underway at Nordstrom is the Senior Director of Digital and Marketing. He joined Nordstrom in 2013 and has held a variety of roles within the marketing organization. Over the last few years, he led the creation of the Merchant Vendor Insights team responsible for developing actionable analytics for Nordstrom merchants and vendor partners to impact uh, their marketing performance. In addition, his other responsibilities, he championed the development of Nordstrom Media Network, which we're going to talk about in great detail today, and led Nordstrom's product-focused marketing team that drives merchandising strategies and all vendor marketing investment programs, in addition to leading content, digital category management, and site merchandising. I don't know where he has time to sleep uh, during the day, but please join Brian and me in welcoming to the podcast, Aaron Dunford. Aaron, welcome. Hey, how you doing today? It is a pleasure to be here, and I have to tell you guys, ever since I met you at NRF, the CPG guys have been coming up organically in all of my discussions uh, across the industry without me saying anything. So your legend precedes you, and I almost feel like I'm on the the retail media equivalent of The Tonight Show. This is a a great honor, so (laughs) thanks for having me. We're like Thanos in the the Avengers. We're we're inevitable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you it's good to hear that aaron you know it's funny uh brian and shri and i have been doing a lot of trade shows uh over the last couple of weeks and uh it, it's very heartwarming when people come up to us and tell us um one that we're way taller than they thought we were but also <laughs> that uh that the content that we're we're producing is is really helping educate them uh, and it's advancing the conversation. So thank you. And it's glad to know that, that we're, we're resonating in the industry. It really is. You, um, and uh, it's just kudos to you and, and your guys' team. So congratulations. Thank you. Hey, before we get to the questions Brian and I have prepared, um, 
Why don't you share with our audience a brief overview of Nordstrom Media Network within the 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 uh, you know, the larger Nordstrom family of, of the business? Yes. Yeah, so we officially launched the Media Network, as you said, two years ago in 2021, but we soft launched in 2019. And the idea was really simple, that we believe we have the world's best customers and we have the world's best brands. And the really magical part about it is that our customers love our brands and uh, our uh, brands love our customers. So facilitating that relationship is what we were looking to do and, and establish that connection. So that's really what we were, fo- we were focused on and are focused on today is establishing meaningful, experiential, emotional connections between our customers and brand partners. Thank you for that, uh, Aaron. What we're going to do is in the digital liner notes of this episode, we're going to have a link to your LinkedIn profile so people can learn more about you. Um, uh, Nordstrom's LinkedIn page and, of course, uh, the Nordstrom Media Network's micro microsite on Nordstrom.com uh, where people, because 90 plus percent of the people who listen to this episode, the, the data tells us are doing so on their mobile device. They don't have to write anything down. They can just toggle back to the app, go to the liner notes and click the hyperlinks and they can they can peruse your background as they are listening to the sweet melodic tones of your voice in answering our upcoming questions that we're, we've prepared for you. Sound okay? So uh, I'm going to kick off the first question, if you don't mind. Um, you have a really interesting background would love for you to tell us a little bit about your professional experience, particularly key pivotal points and experiences that really prepared you for uh, taking on this uh, this big challenge of launching a, a full-scale, increasingly full-scale retail media network at Nordstrom. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I, I get it quite often. And I often think I'm just some small town guy from a suburb outside of Seattle. So why do you, why is that really meaningful to anyone? But when I think about it, there's a a key point that really comes to mind and it's a principle at Nordstrom uh, that we believe in. And we say you're the sum of your experiences. And so we make it a point to uh, have all of our individual contributors get a lot of experience across the organization. So You mentioned that I spent some time in analytics, which I did, but I started my career in marketing strategy. And then from strategy, I went into finance. Um, And then from finance, I went into analytics. And then from analytics, I went back into marketing strategy. And then I went uh, more into site merchandising uh, for a time. And that has really culminated in this unique understanding of customer of digital marketing, of e-commerce, that really retail media sits at the intersection of. And so that's what I'd share with the group is I do believe you are the sum of your experiences. And the more you can um, branch out and learn about individual organizations and and, uh, the areas it supports, it really helps you uh, in your career. Excellent. And, um, and yeah, I think, um, and I think, it's, that was it's a good good origin story for you. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the origin story of uh, of retail media at Nordstrom. Look, I mean, I think our our understanding is is that unlike a lot of the propositions we chatted about this uh, a few months ago, um, 
your first offerings weren't really on site, but they're really more off site. So why did you start that way? And um, when most retailers seem to start on site, and uh, how did you go about sort of resourcing your initial efforts to uh, to get yourselves going in the space? Yeah, so for us, it, it was all about the experience. So we have a set of guiding principles that we live by uh, as part of the network. And the first one is experience. And what we say is every advertising experience we build needs to be additive to the customer experience. And that's a tall task. We had no experience doing that on site from an advertising perspective. We had years and years of experience doing that offsite via our enterprise marketing. And so we had a lot of learnings there that we could leverage. And so that's why we started uh, and began to see how is the customer engaging with retail media in the offsite space. Um, and it was in line with what we saw with our enterprise marketing. And so we could offer a very enhanced experience. That then led naturally to testing and learning on our digital platforms. And so uh, we wanted to be very careful in adding to the customer experience and test tested our way into the offerings we have today. Uh, and so that's how we went about the evolution, which de- is different from a lot of retail media networks out there. So once you've decided how you're going to get into it, to make this a viable business, obviously, you need to lean on your suppliers to provide the demand for the supply that you're able to offer them. And, and obviously, as you launched in offsite. So how did you go about connecting with the suppliers to start their investment in, in the offerings you have? Like, How did you start thinking about getting the merchants involved and excited about what this could mean for them in terms of driving their brand sales through your platforms. Yeah, the good news is, is uh, our merchants are very connected to the customer. And so when we came to them and said, hey, we want to help facilitate connections, they were all about that and had a very good understanding. So that was a very organic and easy conversation that just led naturally into the discussion with our uh, brand partners. The second thing that was really important is our network is built upon the concept of driving performance. So that's why it exists. It exists to where retailer drive sales. And we believe that that is enhancing the customer experience. We have a saying at Nordstrom that the customer who leaves with a bag in their hand or with uh, in this digital age, uh, getting a, receiving a box on their doorstep is usually the happiest customer. And I can say that's absolutely true. When I was in college, I was uh, sold on the Nordstrom sales floor and engaged with hundreds of customers a day. And I will tell you, every customer who found what they were looking for was the happiest customer. And so that's what we really focused on with our suppliers. It says, how can we drive performance? How can we drive sales? Which hits Nordstrom's key purpose to make and help our customers feel good and look their best. So as we led with those two discussion points, the conversation was very organic. And we just started going out and chatting with our merchant and brand partners and talking about what we could do. That's that's terrific. And um and it seems as though, you know, although you're relatively new in the space, um, seems like you've really had some pretty good success coming out of the gate in your first year. Uh, what, what are some of the highlights of the, uh, the performance that you've, uh, that you've achieved so far? 
We have. The success has been significant uh, and really exciting, both from our partner community um, and from our customers in the engagement with the offerings we're providing. Um, in terms of metrics, to give you a sense, in 2022, we saw a 50% increase in investment year over year, and we've seen that since we soft launched in 2019. So all of the projections that we're seeing like uh, at NRF are, are definitely coming true within our platform. When it comes to what I'm most excited about and uh, proud to share is one that we're living up to our purpose and facilitating thousands of emotional connections between our customers and our brand each day. And then also one thing that I feel like a lot of retail media networks don't talk about that I love to talk about is we have a whole stack of experiments that we have tested and shared with our customer in terms of re the retail media network offering. And they've said, we don't like it. And so we didn't promote those experiments. And so I often look at that metric to see how many experiments we're promoting and how many we are. And the success of the network and the health of it often is tied to, I'm seeing the, the, um, tests we don't promote. And so that's kind of a, a different way to look at it of one thing that I've, I've been really excited from the performance standpoint. I'll remind our audience that today, Brian and I are speaking with Aaron Dunford. He is the Senior Director of Digital and Marketing at Nordstrom, overseeing the Nordstrom Media Network. Well, you know, Aaron, I'll tell you, I should also mention the fact that uh, we are a uh, an avid uh, Nordstrom family uh, up here in Connecticut. My wife is a regular visitor of the store in Norwalk, Connecticut, and we'll 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 uh, weather the traffic on Interstate 95 to make her way down and uh, do her her shopping. It's her favorite thing for me to give her on Mother's Day or or birthday or Christmas. So Nordstrom is a core component of a of how the Bond household exists, but. Well, I like to tell people when I hear that, thanks for paying my salary. I appreciate it. Make sure you're clicking on those ads. <laughs> we are happy to, and we will do that. So so I, I loved you talking about, about a satisfied customer experience and, and it being meaningful. So after launching the offsite partnership that you established, you started moving to on-site advertising. Um, I'd like for you to, to share, in, in, inclusive of offsite, what are all the different ways at this point that suppliers can invest against Nordstrom Media Network up and down the funnel? Yeah, our, our philosophy is to uh, serve customers on their terms. So we're looking to engage them across the customer journey. So... The first offering we have, I call it the I'm just looking offering. When I was on the sales floor, people would come in, what brings you in today? And I, oh, I'm just looking, right? So digitally, that happens all the time in search and browse. And so what we've built is on-site display advertising to be able to help the customer experience new things in Nordstrom. So that's the first thing we built out. The second thing we built out is okay, our customers are aware of new items of a brand. Uh, they want to learn more about what the brand has to offer. So we built out uh, immersive brand pages, 
where a customer can go in and engage with video, read additional content, see products that the brand is offering, and really see if that brand resonates with them. For example, oh, this is a sustainable brand, and I uh, find a lot of value in that. That is very interesting to me. And then after you go through that consideration stage, we uh, have uh, lit up sponsored product ads. And for us, sponsored product ads is really about highlighting the top items to the customer that we think that they're interested in purchasing. So that's our offering right now. And we're taking the philosophy of we want to do have the most impact possible, not necessarily the most placements. And so there's some other areas that we're interested in looking at. I think there's a lot of value in long form editorial content. We, we have a, a, a editorial section on our website called The Thread uh, that our customers engage with and really learn about trends, occasions, styles, brands. We think there's definitely an opportunity there that we're exploring. I think there's a, a really nice opportunity within non-endemic. Our customers uh, purchase clothes, but they also have an entire life where they're buying things that we feel like we can create unique experiences through partnerships. Um, but outside of that, that's really what we're focused on from our, our on-site offering. Just a follow-up question. Can you talk a little bit more about the thread just in terms of what you're what you're trying to do there, what sorts of content you're putting there? Because I think it'd be interesting for our audience to hear a retailer that I would imagine thinks about content quite differently than some of the retailers that they're used to selling to. How, what do you, how are you looking to populate that and how do you then link that? How do you link that to the ad offer or, or do you yet? We're not doing it yet, but that's something that's on our on our roadmap. Um, and I'll tell you exactly how we're thinking about it is we, our customers are telling us that they receive a lot of value through discovery, but also education. And you got to find the formats where you can be educated. Um, and one of those being podcasts like we're on today, and you've seen that trend of long form podcasts um, really um, growing. But also in the editorial space where our customers can C certainly when we do them, they're long form. Yes. So. Um... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so um, in the editorial space, that's another vehicle where you can really immerse yourself in a topic um, that you can't get from a display ad or responsive product ads or even some social. Uh, that's why we're, we are interested, like in the offsite space on CTV, areas where you can really establish that emotional connection. Because when you think about clothing and what we offer, it's a pretty intimate offering. I, I was talking to someone who uh, loves this face cream that Nordstrom sells. And the way they talk about it is every time they put it on, it just makes their day better and brightens their day. And so how do you facilitate those relationships is really hard in small snippets. But if you can engage them through immersive storytelling, like the, what the thread is, uh, is really what we're looking to do. So it would be our brand partners um, contributing to editorial articles to write about a certain topic uh, is really what we are interested in pursuing. And Aaron, just to be clear, I told you that face cream story in confidence, right? That we weren't really supposed to talk about that one here. <laughs> I thought you gave me permission to tell it. When I check a box somewhere, like a, the, the Wi-Fi I signed up for in Portland or something, gave gave you access to tell that story. Okay, fine. <laughs> I see how we I see how we're doing that. Okay, 
to be very clear, Nordstrom is very um, specific about how we use data and privacy. So it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. No, no, I, I, I was, I, I just for the, uh, for the, <laughs> for the corporate communications people, I was kidding. Um, so, um, <laughs> so, um, yes. Um, speaking of kidding or not. Um, well, so talk a little bit about measurement. I think, um, when we look at the, uh, the folks in our world that are, you know, funding a lot of this on the branding side, um, they're obviously looking to justify their investments, uh, in retail media. And I'm sure that the brands that are looking to spend through you are also looking to do the same thing, though. I do think it's important for everybody to remember as you go through this, the, uh, you know, the construction of the apparel industries is pretty different in terms of, you know, the historic relationship that brands have with a retailer like Nordstrom's, it's, you know, there's a lot, there's a much long, longer standing tradition of using the retailer as a platform to, to brand and sell. And it's just, it's a very different, you're, I think you're adapting to a different conversation perhaps than you would in the consumer packaged goods industry. So, um, but um, for all that though, when you look at the advertisers that you're working with, what measurement solutions are you offering and how are and how do you see the your advertisers responding to the uh, to the analytics you're bringing to the table? What else are they asking you for? Right now, our offering is very channel focused. So, for instance, I run advertising and paid social. I look at our customers engagement and experience with that advertising unit and I report back on that. That is definitely helpful. Um, and, and we use and are investing to make even better. But that's not the holy grail. And I'm sure you've had many discussions about that. But for us, the holy grail is really determining the incremental impact our marketing had on the sale of an item. And as you mentioned, the unique dynamics within the department store environment, what's really interesting is, is in, our, in the same purchase, same order, same transaction, could be a luxury handbag that's over $2,000 and a pair of socks that's like $5. And you go, okay, well, when we do the customer research, we learn that our customers spend a lot of time thinking about that luxury handbag and ruminating on when they should purchase it. They don't spend a ton of time on that pair of socks to purchase. So, so right there, you have two attribution windows. And, oh, by the way, they could have engaged with multiple marketing channels before that purchase. Could have been on paid social, like I gave the example for. We could have sent them an email. The list goes on and on. So that landscape is super dynamic and complex. And that's where we're investing all of our resources. It's a multi-year plan. But starting in 2023, to really start to unpack how you measure incrementality and that's what our brands are asking for. I don't know about you, Brian, but I think I I think I smell multi-touch attribution uh, in in the pipeline. Uh, that's that's really that's really exciting here because yeah, as you think about well, that's well, that's that's good, Peter. That's good, Peter, because Nordstrom will be featuring oh 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 the multi-touch attribution as part of the uh, as as part of their new their new fragrance line. So. Um, it's one of my favorites. I'm very excited about it. But in all seriousness, oh oh MTA. <laughs> in all seriousness, it is exciting to hear that um, given the fact that there are so many different ways that advertisers can connect with Nordstrom shoppers, as you said, through the customer journey, being able to holistically bring that back 
and deliver a comprehensive measurement. As you said, that is the holy grail. That That is a very exciting uh, pursuit that you are undertaking. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up MTA because um, we have stood up an MTA model and have been looking at that. And it's very valuable. The interesting thing about those models, and I could geek out this with you guys and spend hours on this. We're geeks here. We love geeking. <laughs> you have to establish your own um, coefficient to those touches. And there's a whole science in and of that as well. And that can produce air in the model as well. So we're also exploring things like testing control at scale. Like, how do you really do holdout groups at scale um, to be able to understand incrementality? So we're coming at it from a lot of different ways. I'm a big believer that all models have flaws, but most models are useful. And so how do we kind of triangulate and provide the best performance to our brand partners? Thank you for that. Um, I'll close it out with this question, which is kind of forward-looking, Aaron, uh, and and I'm uh, going to lead the question a little bit based upon um, what I heard you talk about at the NRF Big Show back in January. You know, what are you looking forward to in terms of retail media transformation over the next couple of years? And how are you really preparing Nordstrom for the journey, particularly given the fact that you highlighted your experience working in physical stores in Nordstrom has a clearly superior brick and mortar platform to do that. Like, you know, I've got to imagine in store is, is ruminating in your mind. Can you talk to us about where you see um, this transformation in retail media going over the next couple of years? Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics um, and glad we were able to talk about it in NRF, but I think it all starts with, if you look at the retail media landscape right now, in my opinion, the offerings are pretty ubiquitous. And most everyone is starting a retail media network. Everyone has sponsored product ads. Everyone is doing some sort of paid social, et cetera, et cetera. What I am hoping for and pushing uh, you know, internally at Nordstrom is for networks to really start to specialize and what they're good at. Each brand exists for a reason. It has their own secret sauce. And so how does the network amplify that secret sauce? So the example that I gave at NRF that I think is the perfect example is we took a look at Nordstrom and said, we have a world-class styling team. And so for those who don't know, anyone can engage with one of our stylists uh, via virtually or in store, and they can help you with a head to toe outfit or picking a Mother's Day gift. And it's all free. And uh, they're incredible. I've used them often, they're lifesavers. Well, we're now giving our brand partners access to those stylists to tell their, the brand story via the, via the stylist social channels. So if they tell that story from their channels, the beauty is they can A, click on the link and buy those products, or they can engage with the stylist and say, um, I'm coming into your store. Can you help me with an outfit? Or if they don't live there, uh, can we engage virtually? And can you send me recommendations? And so that's a way that we're beginning to differentiate uh, our offering. We call it internally within the network, uniquely Nordstrom. What's uniquely Nordstrom that we can provide? 
And I think we'll, we'll start to see a lot more of that as retail media networks begin to mature and they get some of the table stakes things out of the way. I would probably add to that the fact that uh, I've seen a lot of research of late that that reminds me of the value of the audience that you have in the physical store because it's more than it's more than just the audience you have digitally and that becomes relatively important when you start thinking about um, the fact that there are other traditional channels like television that are le- linear television specifically that are less and less relevant but shoppers are still going on to the physical store so being able to reach them to to create awareness and and drive uh drive excitement and trial of products is something that nordstrom is uniquely capable of doing and very successful at doing that so thank you for that i want to remind our audience um that you should go visit cvgguys.com you can find all of our content it's all free there and of course if you think your company has some thought leadership to contribute to this ongoing conversation in our community, drop us an email at contact cpgguys.com. Maybe you can join us for a future episode of this podcast. And uh, while you're there, please on the menu bar at the top of the page, click the rating and review section and leave us some feedback. We value it. We want this podcast and what we talk about to be reflective of what our audience is looking to explore. And the way that happens is you give us that feedback. Um, And of course, we always want to thank the over 22,000 followers now that we have on LinkedIn. Can't believe that. I mean, 22,000 in three years. It's amazing. And and it's highly populated by industry professionals that really turn to us for both education and hopefully a little bit of entertainment to make the – it's like Mary Poppins, right? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Aaron, I want to thank you so much for joining us and telling us about the journey that Nordstrom is undertaking in retail media to help suppliers connect with your shoppers and do so in a very uniquely Nordstrom way. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. We loved having you. Uh, Brian, this is a really interesting conversation. Would love to hear some of your thoughts on on what intrigued you about what Aaron shared with us. Well, apart from the betrayal over the face cream, uh, I think I've got a I've got a couple of other I've got a couple. I, I, there's a, there's a series here, and yeah, and also Aaron, uh, thank you very much for your uh, sharing your time and your expertise with uh, with us and our audience. There's um, I mean, I always I've worked around Nordstroms for a long time. You know, obviously as a as a retail analyst and. This isn't just the way that you guys talk. It's the way you all behave, and it's the way you've behaved for years, which is the ability to throw everything through the lens of the customer in a way which is, isn't is just lip service, but is it gives, gets you to some genuinely compelling ways of framing problems that I think is really interesting. So, um, you know, I, I, like, I love the idea that our customers love our brands and our brands love our customers. It's like this is uh, – this is super. It's like the end of Abbey Road. The love we take is equal to the love we make. This is good. Um, I think I think your background being as varied as it is, is actually really interesting, given some of the unique um, dynamics of running a retail media network in your part of the uh, sort of the commerce ecosystem, if you will. You know, some of the financial skills and things like that, the financial relationships that advertising brands have with the retailers they sell to in the department store industry are remarkably complicated. So having somebody that kind of understand that a little bit and unpack that, I think is a, I think is a fairly unique skill set. 
I liked when you started off site. I think it's a really good reminder to people. And Peter, this is also something we observed when we were in Europe, where a lot of the retail media networks actually started in store first. There's more than one way to skin a cat. It's not just that we have to do what Amazon does to solve the problem. And I am going to die on the hill of trying to convince every retailer in the world that isn't Amazon to stop trying to be them. Um, because I think there's just a hundred, look, you guys, your guys' office is like a mile from Amazon's and you've done something completely differently than they have. You've escaped their gravitational field and framed the problem quite differently. Because even though you both look at a customer first, your interpretation of that, I think, ends up quite different. You talked a lot about, like as a, for instance, as a measure of success, the number of things you stopped doing because your customers hated them, I just think it's a really good measure of success. It's really, it's a really interesting way to look at that. I, and I've never heard it articulated that way before. I thought that was brilliant. Um, even when you went through sort of a traditional purchase funnel, like, you know, the I'm just looking phase, getting them to experience more things at Nordstrom's, you're not going, oh, what's our upper funnel mechanic to enable them to move down the funnel? I mean, you really think about what that experience is and then try to create an experience that resonates with that. Immersing yourself in the brand for the consideration set, just the language that's used there. I think there's something that every retailer can learn about creating mindsets and language states that are more aligned with what they're trying to do or you're trying to do rather than you know, rather than what a consultant tells you to do or what Amazon does. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and then sponsored product ads were kind of the last thing that you actually did, which I thought was cool. Um, I think the, um, that idea around the immersive storytelling piece um, on the, on the thread, I think gives you a very interesting content avenue to explore. And for other brands or retailers trying to benchmark you, that would be an area I think that's really interesting, which is how given the, enormous amount of credibility you have with your audience. How do you use that from a content perspective? And for a retailer to be able to diagnose in their own DNA where their credibility lies and to be able to build not the Nordstrom's experience, but the equivalent experience for them based on where they're credible, I think this is a really cool thing. Um, you know, I think we, um, the incrementality conversation for everybody and the multi-year plan to get there, I thought was, you know, appropriately humble for how, how that's supposed to work. Um, and I think that's really good. Um, and, um, you know, and the notion that you're going to get there, not through, you know, some wizard coming down from a balloon from Kansas and handing you an MTA model, but through, you know, real scaled test and learn to be able to actually understand what that looks like. I thought that was awesome. And lastly, look, I thought your point about, look, why does everybody just specialize in what they're good at instead of everybody trying to do everything? Um, and the world would probably just be a better place. So I thought that was super powerful. So um, look, this is awesome. So really, thank you so much for your time. I learned a ton. All right. Well, Brian, thanks for the summary, concise and and comprehensive uh, as always. Really appreciate you joining me on this episode. Uh, Aaron, again, thank you. And to our audience, we're so greatly appreciative of the fact that you take time out of your day to listen to our podcast episodes. Uh, it's really heartening. We have, Brian and I have been doing a lot of trade shows lately, and it's so great when people come up to us and uh, tell us the the impact that we're having on this ongoing conversation about omni-channel digital consumer engagement. So with that, I'll say thank you, and we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. 
By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.